What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Stanley Cup Finals matchup is set. The Florida Panthers will be taking on the Vegas Golden Knights in what is a very unpredictable matchup, of course, as you have Florida making it to the Stanley Cup Finals as an eight seed, led by the unprecedented run by both Matthew Kachuk as well as Sergei Bobrovsky of course Vegas on the other side after having a very very successful regular season end up making it to the playoffs after missing last year of course as we all know us Sabres fans but Vegas ends up returning to the Stanley Cup final once again here and of course folks this means that is a matchup between Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt and so that's what we're going to talk about to start today's episode obviously these two facing off against each other not the most ideal thing but I think we can all agree that given the fact that both of these trades ended up working out so well for the respective clubs that it's really hard for us as Sabres fans to be necessarily mad if you want to maybe not like for example like Jack Eichel that's one thing but Again, no real reason here for, I feel like, any Sabres fans to be particularly salty about this. So, Taylor, I'm going to turn it over to you now. Talk a little bit about this cup final and specifically, of course, knowing that we have Jack Eichel facing off against Sam Reinhart. It's a weird thing. It's like, it's not like the O'Reilly Cup from a couple years ago. You know, O'Reilly versus the Bruins, and it's like, who do you cheer for? And most people are like, just don't watch hockey anymore, idiot. Just probably good advice at the time. At that point, things were tough, though, like O'Reilly winning the Selkie, the Conn Smythe, and the Cup. That was tough because <laughs> immediately the trade looked insanely stupid, uh, and the 2018-19 season was super sad because they had that 10-game winning streak, and then they were like, from like February to April, the worst team in the league. It was insane, and they were directionless, and it was like, man, Eichel's been really good this year as a first-line center, finally. Not finally, but he like definitely took a leap as a 200 foot guy. It'd be cool if O'Reilly was here, and everything was so hard, and there's nothing to look forward to. I don't uh, really get the feeling that that's uh, I, I don't have the same feeling right now at all. Like the Sabers are in a good spot, and that's really what matters at the end of the day. You know, I don't want really want to see Ico win the cup. I don't want to see Vegas win, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna create a lot of stupid narratives. I know at, at least for this summer. But it really, it doesn't matter because, like, I, I'm not – funny thing in hindsight with the O'Reilly trade, Tage, back then I thought Tage sucked. Turns out he doesn't. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as we should say, now Ryan Johnson's here, so that part of the trade yeah. paid off finally. But uh, getting back to this deal, it's like, well, you know, we have Krebs and Eichel now and whatever Otzlin turns out to be. And I think the other one was uh, – Jordan Greenway for that second round pick. And then, you know, even with the Reinhardt trade might even be better potentially down the line with Devin Levi and Yuri Kulik. So that's how could I really be mad? And it's not even just these guys that are coming up and could be better. They were a 91 point team this year with bad goaltending. They were pretty close to Tampa, which I can't believe I'm saying if they had a couple points here and there, they might not just be in the playoffs. They might have supplanted Tampa with Mm -hmm. like totally average goaltending. They would have. So it's, it's not, to me, it's not any kind of tragedy. If you want to look at it any bad way, I you, I don't really want to be like, oh, we didn't win a cup with them or whatever, and one of them is going to win a cup. What really gets to me is they didn't win shit with them, and they didn't get close to the playoffs. Right. It's not like the era of the post-Briere jury guys where it's like, oh, like Vanek, Pominville, Roy, Stafford, it's your time now. Here you go. 
And then they, you know, were only an average team and they made the playoffs twice and were on the bubble and disappointing. It's not like that. It's like <laughs> they just wasted a ton of time. And there was a lot of emotional investment, I, I would say, from the point where it looked like they might be rebuilding in 2013 through the tank, uh, through a lot of hope in the 15-16 season until like the big disappointments every year after that. And the, the if, if I really want to say something negative about it, I would say you really can't get your 20s back. The Sabres didn't make the playoffs when I was in my 20s. They will when you're in your 20s, but only when you're 29, which you just turned. So, like, yes. you know, that's that's only one playoffs in your 20s. Like, they made it, uh, what, two times each when we were in high school, zero times when we were in college. All these years, it's just a lot of wasted years. It's kind of how I look at the Bills playoff drought, but I know now that I barely think about the Bills playoff drought unless it's something funny right? because they've been a contender for a few years now. So I know that's not too far away from – Hopefully that's not too we're not too far away from thinking the same way about the Sabres. But with this matchup in general, I think there's two ways I look at Reinhardt and Eichel, and that's the thing we've said forever, which is that yes, they both were good in their own ways and they did do their job in Buffalo. And with Eichel in particular, they probably shouldn't have given him the captaincy in like three years and you know, obviously surrounded both of these guys with better players. I don't think there were ever really disappointments in Buffalo, to be honest, except for the specific angle of Eichel's leadership, seemingly. Sure. But it's, I feel completely differently about the people for the now. I like I really, really like Sam Reinhardt as a guy and player, and I don't like Eichel. My default is liking someone as a player. So, yeah, no, that's definitely fair. And I think you make a great point there. And I think it really is kind of the 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 main point of all of this is that the trades worked out. Yeah, You know, at the end of the day, that is all that matters is that the trades worked out, you know, where the Sabres were and where Florida and Vegas were at the time of that trade were completely different. And both teams were able to satisfy a, a need or needs for the other team while giving up something that they didn't necessarily need right now either. You know, that's the whole point of the kind of conversation of win now mode versus rebuilding. And the Sabres were at a point where, yeah, you, of course, had age on the side of, you know, Eichel and Reinhardt. You had term in Eichel's case, not so much with Reinhardt. Um, but ultimately, though, it was getting to a point, just given their respective situations, that it just wasn't working out. And it is obviously very sad that it didn't work out. It sucks, obviously, you know, like thinking back to 2015, 2016, around that time when, you know, we initially got Jack, like, especially, I mean, with Sam, it was great. I remember like being very, very excited about Sam, but with Eichel, it was just a completely different thing. Unlike anything else I think I've ever experienced as a sports fan before, where it's just like, you knew you had this thing coming. Like it was almost like it was just like a guarantee. It was either going to be Hammer McDavid, Hammer McDavid, and either way, we were going to win. Like we were going to it not actually win games, but in the sense of like it was gonna it was gonna <laughs> work really, out in our though. favor. So you know, it did feel like they they had a guaranteed star, which meant like yeah, with um, let me put heavier quotes here: the league's number one prospect pool in 2014-15, sure. like and three first round picks coming theoretically that they would you know, just be good no matter what. Like at that moment, I believed people were talking Stanley Cup and stuff like, hey, someday Eichel, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I I don't, we have, they have to do more to get to the next step, but they're definitely going to be a playoff team soon. 
Right. Oops. <laughs> right. That's tough. And and so yeah, that that's really what it boils down to though is that that obviously did not work out at all, and it sucks because we would have liked to see some success with those guys. I mean, I think that we we wanted to have the emotional investment in those teams that we have in the team now, I think is a very fair way of putting it. You know, I, I especially think back to like on one of our episodes we were doing a, a few years ago, you had told me that you felt like Eichel was in your top five favorite Sabres of all time. Like that is. Yeah. I think that makes sense at the time because he was, the, well, that's what I mean. He was like, the only really dynamic 200 foot forward we've had besides, I mean, Breer, Breer to an extent. Yeah. But Breer was so short lived. Right. Exactly. And so that's the thing is that like we wanted to have this investment in them, but we really didn't. And I think, again, it just it goes back to this idea of we at the the Sabres made a trade when they were in a particular position at a particular time in the the history of this franchise. The same can be said for Vegas and Florida, but they were in completely different places. And so you make this trade and you end up getting out of it exactly what you wanted. Like it's very rare. I think that you can look at trades for superstar players and say, this is pretty fair both ways, or this worked out on both sides because it's either somebody is in, insanely overpaying to make a big move, like a big splash like this, and it doesn't work out. Or what I think a lot of people thought was going to happen with this is you're giving up a star player for unproven commodities that you don't really know necessarily how that's going to work out. At the end of the day, though, this trade, both of them have worked out for the Sabres. Like, Vegas, what Alex Tuck brings to this locker room and to this franchise, I really, I don't think I'm getting caught up or being a homer by saying this, but like, it's pretty like unquantifiable. Like, I think that it's been huge what he has been able to bring to the room. I think that even though, as we've talked about a lot of Kevin Adams company lines about, oh, people who want to be here, guys who want to be here to us, the fans. And I think just in general too, it, a lot of it, comes off as bullshit or at least it was really coming off as bullshit at the time when this stuff started and when he was hired because it was like who the hell is going to want to be a buffalo saber but also, with that being who said are you though, pal <laughs> who are you to decide this you're you're a freaking youth hockey coach basically right, right and so they i mean position themselves you know in a, in a pretty incredible way though by being able to acquire tuck in this eichel deal and making him a key piece along with krebs obviously because tuck is exactly what you want in that when Kevin Adams says want to be a saber want to be a saber it feels very forced but with Tuck he because of obviously his upbringing and everything here like it's natural for him that he does want to be here it's not like this forced thing where it's like they're trying to get guys to say in the room or anything like that or it sounds like they're trying to make it seem like more desirable like Alex Tuck legitimately loves to be a saber beyond that and much more importantly if we're being honest he has blossomed since he got here. Like this season for him was incredible. I mean, the step that he took this year going from with Vegas, like a very capable and, and a very good second line winger, middle six winger to being a bona fide, legit point per game level top line winger. I mean, that's a huge step for a guy and Tuck is really kind of, you know, going by general age curves in the middle of his prime right now, or just entering into his prime, I should say. So you're able to get a guy back like that, that's giving you that level of production, in addition to 
a promising young forward in Peyton Krebs, who has, as you were talking about last episode, has the, the very important trait in an NHL player, which is understanding how to be adaptable and how to change your game to be able to have sustainable success in the NHL. You look at Krebs and all the talents there. He's got wheels. He's got great stick handling ability. He's really fast with the puck on his stick. He's quick in transition. He's now rounded out this defensive part of his game, which is huge. So you add that into the mix. You get a first round pick in Noah Ostlin and we'll see what he ends up becoming. You know, you have another second round pick that then, as we had said before, you then trade for Jordan Greenway you know, like you're getting stuff back that is helping you now and into the future. And the same can be said for for the Reinhardt deal, too. I mean, I don't think that anybody at the time of us making that move would have looked at Devin Levi as more than, wow, OK, this is like a this is a promising player, like his profile starting to get a little bit better. But at the end of the day, he's a seventh round pick, like does not have the draft profile of of uh, of an Askarov or a Wallstead or somebody like that of, of younger high end goalie prospects. But what he's then been able to blossom into, which now is seemingly like a, a lock for being our goalie of the future, mixed with the fact that you get an absolute steal, maybe the steal of the 2022 draft and getting Yuri Coolidge with that 28th overall pick. What do we have to be upset about that these guys made it? I mean, I get it from the perspective of Eichel because I'm with you, Taylor. Like, I just straight up don't like the dude, and I do not want him to have success. I do not want Jack Eichel to win. Do not get me wrong here. Like, I am I know I'm glass half full and everything, but it's, it's using common sense. But at the same time, though, I'm going to definitely be a little bit petty and be a little annoyed with Jack. Sam, I'm the same with you, though. I, I want to see him win. I want to see Sam succeed. He's a very likable guy. He was a great player here. I think the fact that he was so, even though he was a star player here, underrated, I think, by a lot of people and underappreciated, I guess, for like the full extent of like how special and cerebral of a hockey player he is, you know, like it's great to see somebody like that having success. But either way, though, for anybody to be up in arms or upset or or anything more than just being like, oh, God, like. We got to see Jack and Sam play against each other. I mean, there's just no reason to be. I, I think, it, you know, we're at a point now that like we don't need to be insecure about things because we know that things are going to get better and that they're already on the road to getting there. And to your point, it's just even beyond the trade itself and analyzing it from the time of when the O'Reilly trade happened and knowing that it's like, Christ, we have Sabatka and Berglund and Tage is looking like a mess, like the team was in a completely different spot at the time of that move as compared to where it is now. And a year out from the Reinhardt and Eichel trades, I'm more confident and feeling more comfortable with not only the team's prospects going into the next year, but just like the general direction and what they're trying to do more so than I've been. in just about as long as I can remember, I, I mean, there's not really a lot. I think that you can really, I think there's certainly things that you could be critical of and you can nitpick, but comparing where we are right now with where we've been at any point in the past 15 years, I just think that give or take 15 years, I should say, I know, obviously we're talking about like the playoffs and stuff, but even the team at that point, like, not set up in position to win at the, at the caliber of, I think where this team is right now and where they can end up going. So I, I feel very comfortable about the state of the team and, and where we're at. It makes me not at all insecure about the fact that these guys are there. Yeah. I, I wanted to mention Tuck there. Cause I think he's one of the most important parts of this whole thing, because as we're looking at this and we mentioned this multiple times, but it's worth repeating. It was two years ago at this time, they were coming off like 
just an awful season, like really horrific. And it was about two years and two or three months ago that they're in the midst of losing. And it felt like they were never going to win a game again. They were, they were like, like six, 21 and three or something like that. Some insanely bad record. Like they're actually getting national attention again, like an outside, not national attention, but people out in the world that are not hockey or, you know, Sabres fans being like, damn, the Sabres are insanely bad. How about that? Uh, he lost so many games in a row. And then there's some hope at the end of that with Granado taking over and middle style looking good. And it, it, at least you had the comfort of they were going to rebuild or things were going to change a little bit. And they had moved on from hall at least already. Uh, but this point, two years ago, things uh, were not in a good way yet because we had, we had dealt with the locker clean-out day in 2021 uh, where Eichel and Reinhardt both said in, <laughs> uh, let's say, kind of uncertain terms, but pretty clear what they were saying, that they both wanted to be traded. <laughs> like that, was, I remember I was on a plane to Florida when that happened, and I got off the plane, and everyone on Twitter was freaking out, and – I had to do a podcast remotely where I just was like, hey, want to want to just not do this anymore and gave up in the middle of it. Uh, and to, if you would have told me then, like two years later, those two guys are going to face off for the cup, I would have been devastated. Or I thought I would have been like, oh, man, that's going to be really it's going to be worse than O'Reilly. It's going to be devastated. And I mean, it's really great to see that we're not because we've gone from that bad of a team to a pretty decent, not not really good, but hopeful team last year to a team that has 91 points and is, uh, I think a lot of people are going to pick to make the playoffs next year. They had 91 points without good goaltending. That's still pretty crazy for me to say. Uh, but anyway, where does Tuck fit into that? Because the turning points, there's a few firing Kruger, um, bringing in Granado, you know, full-time, I should say, because he was the interim. Uh, Tage kind of taking off at the beginning of last year. The wrist and trade is kind of the spiritual turning point for me because then it's like, oh, my God, we got another first round pick for this friggin bozo. Maybe Kevin Adams knows what he's doing. And Reinhardt comes right after that. People are less excited, but it was an OK trade. You have your draft picks, you know, winning the lottery. That's another thing you can overlook getting own power because of that. There's all those things that started to pile up. Uh, but still, to me, at that point, uh, even with other draft picks that were going to be coming in the future, it still felt like. It still felt a little bit. I don't know how to put this. We've done this before. We've had the best prospect pool before. We've made a bunch of decent trades rebuilding before. We've had, you know, all this, all this shit before. So there was a little part of me that needed to see it. And they had a nice start last year. Two, I don't know. You say it last year, two years ago. Year yeah, I think this. I misspoke when I was saying it earlier. But anyway. Yeah, they had a nice start. But after the Eichel trade, which was a weird trade, I didn't know what to think about it at the time. They definitely got theoretically, quote unquote, less than they should have because of his weird injury situation, but Tuck coming on the ice. And that's when Tuck got there. It wasn't right away, but he was injured. And then he started playing again. He really found his footing. That's the on ice turning point because they finished that year 15, nine and three. That's good. And again, I yep. should say with, without good goaltending, because they haven't, you could say about any season in for years. I was going to say <laughs> 15, nine and three. That's a really good fit. That was their March and April last year. That's good. I know like there's a bunch of fool's gold teams every year that it's like uh, you, you're a bad team that finished strong. Now you think you're good. But sometimes in some cases, it is a hopeful thing. And part of that was Darlene found his game. And well, I guess Anderson coming back, <laughs> like I know I've mentioned the goaltending already, but Anderson playing instead of like Aaron Dell was huge. And, and Krebs was pretty good too. But yeah, Tuck, Tuck coming in there. That's the biggest thing. All of a sudden they were not embarrassing. Like this is a long 
time now. It's not just 82 games. We're at over 100 games of them playing at a 90-something point pace. That's great. And I don't know how that factors back into the Stanley Cup thing. It's just, you know, about generally feeling good about things. Yeah, exactly. Vegas should feel good, too. Like, Vegas and Florida, I mean, they probably didn't expect they'd be here two months ago. They should feel good, too. Like, these are both good. Like, they're not the Flyers. Right. They didn't they didn't do that. That's the whole point is that every one of the teams can be happy about where they are at personally. So there's no point in being insecure about it. That's right. Because that's what it comes down to. If you're mad about it, it's because you're insecure. Like you said, like if we were in a worse spot right now, this would be the worst. It would be the absolute worst thing imaginable. Like you said, going back to that time, not really knowing what we were getting really back out of it, but knowing what's going out the door and to think that two years from now that those two would be in the finals and that we would both be sitting here being like, yeah, it's all right. Like, I I, I would have lost my shit about that a few years ago. Yeah, and I think also it's worth noting they're not just on these teams. Like, Reinhardt would probably – if you did like a ballot on each team for potential Smythe, Reinhardt would be third yeah. or fourth for Florida, third or fourth, depending on where you put for Haggy. And then the one, two is Kachuk, Bravrovsky, wherever you put those guys. Of course. And then – Vegas Eichel would be one, right? Vegas yeah. is weird because <laughs> Aiden Hill is playing so so good. It's it's the first time in twenty years, by the way, that the goalies are um the the number one and two save percentage goalies in the playoffs are the Stanley Cup goalies. I don't know if you saw that. I first did. time did you since Broder and Jaguar. Did you see that it's the first time I'm pretty sure in Stanley Cup history that the two leading scorers in the playoffs for both teams are American? Uh, wow. I, no, I did not see that. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. The reason I say it's interesting for Vegas is it's like all things considered in the modern game, this modern, I mean, last few years with scoring going up, Eichel is a pretty paltry point total as a forward to potentially win con Smythe. He obviously has a potential to add to it, but he also has six goals. Like that'd be interesting. March or so and Wild Bill Carlson both have impressive goal totals, but they're not carrying play like Eichel is. He's obviously been dominant on both ends. Right. And then Aiden Hill, he came in mid-playoffs. If he didn't come in mid-playoffs, he'd real real con Smythe potential. He's been fucking unbelievable. Look at 935 save percentage. Unreal. Unbelievable. He's like their fifth goalie. Uh, but there's one more thing I wanted to mention uh, that I think is really interesting is that there's a billion sabers and people are only focusing on these two. But technically, in these organizations, you also have Carrier, who has been playing. He's been playing the whole time there. Your boy. He's one of longest Your tenured boy. guys. Yeah, my guy. Uh, Braden McNabb is still with Vegas. I don't know if he's been playing. I actually I haven't noticed him if he has. Uh, Leonard is not played all year because of his injury. He's with Vegas. And then Florida also picked. They took Casey Fitzgerald off our hands this year. Uh, Stanley Cup winner Casey Fitzgerald. That'd be interesting. It's got a horrible ring to it. <laughs> Zach Delpy is with Florida, I believe. Oh my God. If the organization and there's someone else. Am I missing someone else for Florida? Oh, Montour. <laughs> Montour, I actually feel worse about than the other two because it's I was like we, we knew what they were and we knew we had to move on. Montour, man, gave up a first round pick for him and then immediately stuck him with Earth's most unfortunate bozo, Ralph Kruger. Brutal. Brutal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. 
a lot of guys. Yeah, I'm going to look up the Zach Delpy one because I'm pretty sure that's right. I want to make sure I got the right guy. I know he was with them at least. Yeah, he plays for the Florida. Yeah. I don't know if he's played in the playoffs at all, but that's I should actually look right now to see if he's played in the playoffs because I should have noticed if Zach Delpy was on the ice. Uh, looking for playoff stats. Uh, he has played nine games. Wow. His one goal. He scored a goal. Good for Zach Delpy. Wild though. A lot of, a lot of sabers hanging around. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Wild. Uh, anyway, do we want to hear a word from some sponsors? I would love nothing more. All right. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Right now in DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet on the Stanley Cup final, which starts Saturday evening uh right now for the series they have vegas as minus 120 you're sorry yes yeah, sorry minus 125 favorites and florida as plus 105 underdog so interesting interesting depending on your uh your views on the series they think it's gonna be pretty close is what i get from that and i, I kind of agree uh for so sure. if, you're, if you're interested in betting on that or any of the lines they have a lot of jack eichel Goal, uh, Jack Eichel score parlays with like Knights win, Jack Eichel anytime scorer, things like that. Jack Eichel first goal should note for everyone out there that he didn't actually score in the conference finals, so we'll see. I mean, he scored a good amount in the first round, and I think the second round too, if I'm not mistaken. So, check it out, and you can do that by downloading the draft. DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age vary by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. See DraftKings.com for slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. And that's that, folks. All right. Let's hear from Raycon. Let's face it. With coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations, our bank accounts somehow always depleting we're officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point. So you, you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. For example, uh, so let's say you were going to a silent disco with your, your good pal for his birthday. That's a good place you want to spend some money. Uh, it's really warm out this week. Insanely warm, actually, for how early in this. Or it's it's basically still mid-spring. It's not even summer yet. So you want to buy ice cream, popsicles, ice, anything to cool down. Maybe you're trying to save up for air conditioning or essential air in your house. That's good things to spend money on. Don't waste money on wireless headphones when you could just uh, go with Raycon instead. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other, more big-name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 to check out. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks and free domestic and flat fee international shipping. 
They have over 50,000 five-star reviews due to their tremendous features such as customizable sound profiles, earbuds, have functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, they're water and sweat resistant, and the everyday earbuds get eight hours of playtime. So go go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, folks, and of course, there's always Thin Man Brewery. They always got some interesting stuff going on. Here's a couple things they got coming up. Go Skate Day. This is the first official day of summer, Wednesday, June 21st. It's at the Chandler Street location. Finally got a Chandler Street one on here. It's a, there's a skate jam on the loading dock with Mom's. Mom's Tea Sour Release. There's also a Danny Dispo Tiki Bar pop-up, burgers and hot dogs in the patio, and some music will be there, TBA, what it's going to be. Uh, it, so that sounds really interesting. It starts at 4 p.m., and it's a kid-friendly event. Uh, you, sign-up waivers will be available at both Thin Man Tap Rooms and Mom Skate Shop beginning today. Must be 18 or over to sign up. Valid ID required to sign up. Tickets uh, purchase required for those 21 plus includes access to the event grounds and your first drink. So $15 for both. Family-friendly event will be f- free to anyone under the age of 25. So you can get tickets at Eventbrite, and there's a link uh, in Thin Man's Instagram bio if you want, want to go check that out if you have Instagram. Um, if not, you know, stop into Thin Man Brewery. Also, Thin Man and Friends specials all throughout June with Southern Junction. Texas Barbecue Pros. I don't know if you guys have ever had Southern Junction. I've heard a lot of good things about that. So there will be new specials every Thursday in a pairing dinner to close out the month. Tickets will be available for the pairing dinners at thinmanbrewery.com. And if you want to check it out, it seems interesting. Uh, I'm going to give you right now. I'll tell you there will be five of them. And there's going to be brisket taco. That's June 1st. Next week, smoked tikka rice bowl. Following week, col- coleches. I don't know how to pronounce. I never know how to pronounce that. Uh, then after that, Barbara Curry Bowl, and then the Southern Junction pairing dinner, which that's June 29th. Tickets are available for that now. But yeah, check that out. That sounds very interesting. And then of course, summer solstice. We've talked about that before, but tickets are still available at thinmanbury.com. That is June 17th, seven-year birthday go. party for Thin Man. And then Brendan's playing there. Tell people about that, Brendan. Yeah, I'm playing there this Friday. Our our pal on the podcast, TJ Luckman, is actually going to be playing bass with my band, Slow Animals. It's going to be a good time. Uh, weather pending. It's going to be outdoors, too, which will be really nice. So come enjoy a, a nice outdoor Friday night. Hey, also cool thing that happened this week that if anybody is going to the Bandits game on Saturday, my band, Slow Animals, is also playing the party in the plaza, which is going to be really cool. So from 530 to 730 before game three, the big final game of the NLL finals, we're going to be uh, getting the party started at Key Bank Center outside. So come say what's up and, and check it out if you guys are uh, rolling through to that. But yeah, very excited for Thin Man coming up this Friday. Going to be a good one. And get those tickets for Solstice too. You can see my original band, Canadis, performing. Taylor will be at that one. I don't know if you're going to be around on Friday, Taylor, but it'd be great to see your face. Yeah, your, I'm not 100% sure yet, actually. I'm still on Island time. I just, face, yeah. Yeah, I just got back from Jamaica. I, it's really more my belly, so if you want to, I don't know, sun kiss that. But anyway, sure. uh, Brendan, it's Slow Animals that's playing at the Bandits game, right? Yes. Do people know that our friend 
And Soul Animals member Jonah is actually the guy who says, like, let's go bandits during the games. <laughs> no, as his side job. That's not true. <laughs> He's going to love this. He's going to love he, this. Yeah, he just told me about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. When you were in Jamaica? No, before that. I saw oh. him at a porch fest. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He's, that he's makes sense that I saw him at porch fest. He wasn't playing. <laughs> Obviously, he wasn't also playing with you. Definitely. Some a different time. Yep, of course. These things happen. Well, Taylor, should we talk a little bit of Sabres right now? I'd prefer to talk about the Amherst. Okay, well, we could do both. That's no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, some guys did some stuff internationally, didn't they? Some guys did some stuff internationally. Is Not right. unlike me. Three, yeah, oh, the same pretty much. Yeah, three Buffalo Sabres won gold at the world championships as Devin Levi, Jack Quinn, and Peyton Krebs ended up picking up the gold medal for Team Canada. JJ Paterka came in second, winning a silver medal for Team Germany. However, JJ Paterka was named the top forward at the world championships this year. He finished tied for second in turn in the tournament with 12 points, six goals and six assists. Insane story in general too, with Germany. They started 0 and three in the tournament, but went on to win their next six games to advance to the gold medal final. And in the come from behind semi final win, JJ Paterka tallied an assist as for Peyton Krebs, and Jack Quinn, they both did pretty well for themselves. Krebs notably had two assists in the gold medal game. And the second of those assists actually ended up setting up the game-winning goal. Additionally, Jack Quinn, he had an assist in the game. And on top of that, both those guys had pretty nice tournaments as well. Krebs had five points in 10 games. Jack Quinn had seven points. Very, very, very good stuff from these guys. Devin Levi only played one game, but he ended up picking up a win in that as well. So exciting stuff for these young Sabres. Taylor, your thoughts? I mean, it's great to get that extra experience, and it's cool that they really uh, want to represent their country internationally. A lot of guys, they get older, and they don't want to go to world championships anymore. It doesn't mean anything to them. So cool for those guys, and I'm sure it's a good experience for all four of those young guys. You know, that it's a, it's a nice thing, and it's, it's, I think next year could be a big year for J.J. Paterka. Maybe this is the start of it. This People is are going to look back and say this is the moment. <laughs> hey, if they – people have pointed it out, man. We're talking about the Sabres making a big jump next year. If Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka can have similar jumps to what Dylan Cousins had this year, oh, baby. Yep. Oh, well, yeah. How about them Amherst? Well, hey, they uh, they stayed alive. Yes, they Lucas did. Lucas Rusek, two goals. Big Rusek night here. Exciting stuff. Yes, the Amherst now are down 3-2 to two in their conference final series right now, going up against Hershey as Rochester picked up the win on Wednesday night. A huge turnaround game there for the Amherst, who had, after starting off the series with a nice little 5-1 victory, went on to lose three straight. Now the Amherst have a chance to force Game 7, which Game 6 will be taking place on Friday at 7 o'clock in Rochester. So Amherst fans... Get loud and do not boo Matt Savoy ever again. Get over yourselves, people. So Jesus. ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Taylor, your thoughts. It's cool. Yeah. Brandon told me he specifically scheduled his show Friday so he wouldn't have to go to game six because he's too nervous. And now he said he's glad he did it because he's so mad at Amherst fans for booing Matt Savoy. Uh, but anyway, and he's muted. So we can't even hear. He can't even defend himself. I told you that in confidence. <laughs> 
But no, it's really cool to see that they're, you know, they're staying alive. They really, they could do this thing. 3-1 leads, as we know, uh, they get blown every once in a while in hockey. This is, uh, this is not an uncommon occurrence. So I'm glad they, they fought to stay alive. And hey, if you saw the hit today on Isaac Rosen, oof, AHL refs, get your shit together. <laughs> We're going to need that guy next year. <laughs> yep. Don't let that shit happen. Yeah, if you didn't see, he got pretty dirty hit to the head. His helmet came right off. It was Dylan McElrath, who, if that sounds familiar, was a former 10th overall pick uh, back in 2010. And uh, I thought, wow, that guy has the same name as that uh, guy that was a terrible bust for the Rangers. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because it's him. (laughs) If you're wondering, former 10th overall pick Dylan McElrath, or however you say his name, is now 31 years old, had zero goals and 13 assists in 60 AHL games this year. That's pretty insane, <laughs> to that's be honest. not good. I'm not going to say that's like the worst bust ever, but that's, oh God, in recent history, that's got to be up there. It's not just, obviously, you expect a 10th overall pick to at least be a good, solid, long-term NHL player, or else it's kind of a disappointment. To have him not even be a really solid AHL player is something. Zero goddamn goals in 60 AHL games. At 31 years old, brutal. I know you're a defenseman, but did I mention it's the AHL? Yeah. Ilya Labushkin scored twice at the NHL level this year. That's got to equate to like 15 goals in the AHL at least. Yeah, probably. I, I see why this guy's upset, though, I guess. He's that's he's a huge loser, and that's why he wanted to go after <laughs> Pell Isaac. Can you believe mm, that? The Rangers draft disappointments in the top 10. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share? Uh, there was another sports thing I wanted to shout out, but I don't remember what oh, it I is. Know what so, you're no, I don't. About. Yeah, the other sports thing was the succession finale. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's a recommendation, did, folks. Did you Did you like? Yeah, yeah. Were you happy with how they landed it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you can't be like happy happy yeah i I mean were you pleased with how they went about ending the show yeah i would say so i think it's interesting to watch that alongside barry first of all very interesting that the hbo was like we should do both these finales at the same time great company crazy max sorry not hbo anymore thanks david zaslov uh but yeah barry uh barry and succession both really really dark endings that say something about i don't know for lack of a better phrase the dark heart of the american spirit uh they're not neither of them were even remotely feel good and in fact the shows have a combined like three characters you can even be like oh good for them yeah maybe three so are they all from barry (laughs) no uh connor roy i like connor roy's ending i think it's not perfect (laughs) yeah i think it's okay i think connor's kind of the big winner I like it. Oh, I love him. I obviously I love Connor Roy, but I mean, I, his ending was not that sad. No, not okay, at all. That he started the season basically being like, when you grow up without love, you you lose the need for it or something like whatever he said. You don't. You lose the need to be loved. That's mm-hmm. so sad. But it actually it turns out that's just him lifting a burden off himself. It's not an ideal yeah. situation, but like he, uh, he grew up knowing that he wasn't loved or respected, and his idiot half siblings did not think that obviously, or maybe now they know. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so it's like Connor... Roman seemed happy with his ending, to be honest. <laughs> Did he? I mean, I gotta was... be honest. I don't think so. You don't think? I think he did what he wanted to do ultimately in that moment. But like, no, I think he's devastated. I think he's just empty now. I think he has nothing. 
I mean, Connor's like I'm. Connor's gonna be the I mean, best. Connor obviously <laughs> is the one. Yeah, of, among the siblings, yes, obviously Connor had the best outcome. But I just mean at least Roman. I mean, he was at least smiling. The same could not be said for Shiv and Kendall. Obviously, no. And this is we should say spoilers. Obviously, I guess we should have said that earlier. So oh here's God, a big spoiler. Sorry. Everyone's saying you know Tom won obviously, but that's a hollow victory. If you look what he actually got out of it, like he won more than the other people did, I guess, but. Not exactly. Then it's just a bunch of losers. Hugo, loser. Logan, dead. Marsha yep. knows. Carrie, loser. Frank and Carl, I guess, fine. Jerry, winner. Jerry, winner. That's a winner right there, yeah. But she's yep. got to be a little disappointed, too, that she, you know, what, what happened with Roman. I'm sure that's a disappointment to her as well because uh, she's a real person. Uh, and I think Carl's ending is – Carl is also a winner because at the end, like, after – Frank might be, too, after – you know, it's more Carl than Frank. Those guys are getting fired. Yeah, but like after years of like, they're also getting the quote unquote golden parachute. Yeah. And after years funny. of like Logan shitting on them incessantly and them never really fully standing up for themselves, they can they can both kind of say they did, and they're both like, ah, whatever. We know this is the end. Yeah. Whereas Hugo is like, where's that <laughs> slimy little bastard going to slither off to? Who knows? A lot of losers. I won't give much about Barry because I know you haven't seen it, and we might be the last two people talking about this. But like Barry. A lot of people haven't seen it, I guess. I don't know what the numbers are like. I know they're less in succession, but man, it was dark in a way I didn't expect at all. I'm excited to watch, so please do not spoil. Yeah. Good Lord. Have you watched it all? Or you're No, I haven't, but it's on my list. Like It is near the top of my list of things that I know I need to watch and really want to watch, even though I feel like I'm, you and I talk about this a lot. I'm not a huge, like, I mean, it's not, I don't know how to put it, like, I don't watch a lot of I, I don't like it's dark, dark yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's a good way to but put depending it. on what it is, though, like if it's a good enough product, then I will get down with it and can watch it. I mean, because that's the thing is like it's a difference between like a very like a drama or like a psychological thriller or something like that. If something's just kind of like dark and fucked up, like a lot of times, like not necessarily like chomping at the bit to watch that. But I love Bill Hader. I know there's a great cast in it all together. And like I've said before and i know you i've heard you say i should say many times that it's one of the most unique shows that you've ever seen right yeah it just becomes a different show part way through and it's not a spoiler to say that what it becomes is more a reflection of this not not a reflection but it's a um critique of the cynicism of hollywood more than anything which is interesting because the show is yeah there's actors and stuff in it like the characters are actors. I mean, there's obviously actors in it, but it is about actors. But a lot of the outside interesting developments of the show aren't about actors, uh, but it still becomes really a show about Hollywood. And it only gets more like that. And it's obvious to me uh, that Bill Hader had some things to say <laughs> really about Hollywood. And it's interesting because he directed this entire season, which is very unusual for a showrunner. He's very interested in directing. I don't know if he's ever directed a feature length movie because he wants to direct a horror movie. But he's a huge fan of No Country for Old Men, and you could tell, like, there's some scenes in this season that's like, that's exactly that movie. So uh, I think that, yeah, that's part of what makes it unique. And also, he's he really actually drew something from real life, which almost directly, he's – it's um he's not in the show, but it, it's his um girlfriend in the show is going through – um media rounds for her upcoming show that's coming out on their version of Netflix. And she's asked some really stupid question about like, who do you think should be Spider-Man next? 
And she's like, I don't know. She says like Daniel Day Lewis or something hilarious like that. I thought like, oh, that's kind of a ridiculous question, uh, given the show that she was promoting. But then Bill Hader says, oh yeah, I was promoting Skeleton Twins with Kristen Wiig, which is a movie about like depression and other very serious things. Uh, and <laughs> they were asked by one of the people on the media circuit, like, what do you think of Ben Affleck as the new Batman? And like. Some, some things like that that really got under his skin, I guess, at some point in Hollywood or the way he thinks about certain things um, get their way into the show, which is interesting. That's cool, though. Yeah. And I got I like I, I tweeted that it's one of the boldest shows I ever watched. And there's a lot of ways to look at bold. But I just think I think of it as you're making 40 or fewer episodes of a half hour show and you just multiple times are like, actually, this is a new show or actually we're just this plot line that's really working and the people like eh. it's cool. Wow. It's a cool thing to do. I like that. All right. I'm going to have to give it a go then. I definitely will. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor, before we sign off? Go Bandits. That's what I was going to say earlier. Damn right. Go Bandits. As our friend Jonah would say, let's go Bandits. Let's go Bandits indeed. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and follow both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, Straight, straight, straight Sabres on Twitter. And again, wherever you're listening to Straight Up Sabres, make sure you are subscribed and or following us. We'd very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors. Of course, we have DraftKings and that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals at checkout. Of course, also, we have our dear friend Ray J and those Raycon headphones and other audio devices. Same way. Use that promo code and take advantage. And last but not least, Thin Man Brewery. Buy those tickets for summer solstice. Come and see us at Thin Man Chandler this coming Friday. Come check out all the other great events that are going on at Thin Man in the near future and throughout the summer. It's going to be a great time, and you will not want to miss it. We'll be back with a brand-new episode on Monday, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Thanks.